Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight we had 1792 from the very old Barton distillery in the house. Josh Hollyfield flew in just to taste us through this legendary line of bourbons. We tried the 1792 Classic the 1792 Sweet Wheat, the Single Barrel Expression, the Bottled in Bond Expression, my personal favorite, uh, the Rye, well, actually a close tie between that and the Rye, and then the Foolproof for Serious Whiskey Heads Only. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Tell your friends if it's something that you like, and be sure to enjoy responsibly. That means don't spill your whiskey. Is everybody here familiar with Sazerac? I would hope so in a whiskey club. Just uh, those of y'all that might be new to Sazerac, we are a family-owned company based out of New Orleans. Um, we're still privately held, still family-owned. Um, we own, they bought Buffalo Trace back in the 90s, which well, it was the ancient age distillery and became Buffalo Trace. Um, in 2009, Sazerac purchased the whole Barton portfolio from Constellation Spirits, more than doubling the size of the company overnight because Barton was the bigger company at the time. Um, but they bought it mainly for the brands. In that, they also inherited three properties. Uh, the Glenmore Distillery, which is in Owensboro, Kentucky. Uh, we have a bottling and shipping facility in Carson, California. And then we, um, then the Barton 1792 Distillery, which is in Bardstown, Kentucky. So Buffalo Trace is in Frankfort, Kentucky, which is our, our state capital. Bardstown is the bourbon capital of the world. Um, and it's about, a, about an hour away. Um, Constellation had already planned to shut down our distillery. Um, when they sold all the Barton portfolio to Sazerac, it gave Sazerac kind of the heads up and said, hey, you know, you're producing too much juice at Buffalo Trace to house. So just shut down Barton, move all that bottling operation out to the Glenmore distillery in Owensboro, and start moving your barrels out to Bardstown and just age them there. So Buffalo Trace said, okay. Sazerac said, okay, we'll do that. At some point, though, they had the foresight to know that bourbon was going to start getting big. Also, they came in and took a site observation of our plant and took a look at our, our power sources, our steam plant. We run off of three boilers, two natural gas and one coal boiler. Um, that coal boiler saved the distillery because they started the distillery back up and we've been distilling ever since. In the five years that I've been there, five, almost six years, I've seen the workforce go from 160 employees up to over 420. So we are going through about 30 acres of corn a day um, and we're going through 50 tons of eastern Kentucky coal a day. Very Old Barton had been our namesake um, since the late 40s, early 50s. It served us really well, um, got us through the dark ages of bourbon. Um, but fast forward into the late 1990s, early 2000s, you started to see people get back into bourbon and treat it for that, that, that nice full-bodied whiskey um, and the delicacies that it is rather than just the cheap American whiskey. So you started to see a premium bourbon market start to emerge. So we took away one of our highest rye mash bills, put it away for eight years, created a small batch, and essentially that's where 1792 came from. So where does this sit overall in the, in the bigger Sazerac picture? Because I know that like Sazerac, Buffalo Trace, you guys, that's where all that weeded bourbon's coming mm -hmm. from, the most famous being Pat Van Winkle, obviously. And you guys are not making weeded bourbon at Varial Barton, are you? There's no weeded bourbon there? Uh, the sweet oh, wheat. The sweet wheat, sweet which we're gonna try tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, is that a new addition to your lineup? Um, well, we produced it we distilled it about eight years ago, eight, nine years ago. Um, but it, we're, as you taste through the rest of our portfolio, we're, we're heavily rye focused. We're, we're, we produce bourbons, but they're all known for being 
big, bold, spicy rise. Um, so we only have three bins to house grains, uh, one typically for corn, one for rye, one for barley. Um, so when we distill wheat, we have to put the wheat into the rye bin. So we only distill it like twice a year. Oh, because okay. we put the wheat into the rye bin, once we burn through that wheat on that one run, then we'll switch over to rye. And then once we start receiving rye in, it's rye all day. And do you guys make the Rock Hill Farms there at Varial Barton as well? No, that's, that's over at BT, at Buffalo Trace. Okay, okay. And so what are all the whiskeys you're making at, at the old Barton now? So at Barton Distillery, uh, we have eight uh, brands in our portfolio. Uh, starting from the bottom, you have uh, 10 High and Kentucky Gentlemen, which are two blended bourbons. And those are just available in Kentucky? No, they're, they're pretty much nationwide. But okay. uh, if you go to a liquor store, you're going to find them on the bottom shelf. Uh, they're blended with neutral spirits to make it a value product. It's, you know, uh, some states that are in, in bars that are not whiskey bars, you might find them in the, in the rail. Um, so very inexpensive bourbons. Um, they serve their purpose, too. Um, then we have Tom Moore and Colonel Lee, uh, which they're only available in a handful of states. Actually, Colonel Lee died at one point. Uh, we killed the brand, and then there was an uprising, so we brought it back. Well, wait a second. So the colonel died or the whiskey died? The whiskey died. <laughs> and why did you kill the colonel? No, I'm just kidding. We, we um, just thought it had run its course, but... So when you know. said there was an uprising, was that a bunch of zombies coming back from the dead? What happened there exactly? The zombies that were drinking Colonel Lee. <laughs> <laughs> so we brought it back, but it's only available in a couple, couple states. And uh, then moving on up the shelf, uh, you have Kentucky Tavern and Zachariah Harris. And then Very Old Barton, which comes in four different proofs, 80, 86, 90, and 100. That one's available in about 20 states. And then 1792, which is our flagship. Wow. So when I remember having that, that Very Old Barton, I really loved it. Was it, that's a high rye mash bill as well? Probably, because it, it, typically high rye means anything over 15% rye. So, I mean, there's a lot of high ryes out there. So, yeah. Yeah, so just to clarify, like when we talk about bur bourbon, there's basically three mash bills that are the classic three mash bills of bourbon. You've got your traditional mash bill, which is under 15% rye. You've got your high rye mash bills, which are over 15% rye, or you have your weeded bourbons. Right. And so those, almost all the bourbons you've ever had in your life will fall into those three categories. There's now a little bit of some outliers that are popping up because people are trying new things mm -hmm. because there's craft distillers that are coming to market and, and just more interesting whiskey allows you guys to have more experimentation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to get into tonight is some of your, I mean, it's eight years old, but in the whiskey world, that's like, oh, that just happened a second ago. Right. So, uh, we're going to get to try some of your new experiments, right? Exactly. So what's this first um, whiskey we're going to get into tonight? So the first one coming around should be the small batch. This is our flagship. This is the one that, that should be pretty readily available uh, most of the time. This is going to be kind of our base tonight um, so that you can kind of see where we came from. And then as we transition through the rest of the expressions. And traditional mash bill? Well, this the funny thing is we were talking about high rye versus traditional mash. This is a high rye mash bill. Okay. So we're already a high rye. Um, the funny thing is uh, when I started at, at 1792, almost six years ago, I went to our master distiller at the time, my first week there, and said, hey, all these people are asking me about mash bills. What about our mash bill? He said, Josh, mind your own business and go back to the, the give a shot. No, he's actually nicer than that. But um, he let me know that Sazerac doesn't typically talk about mash bills. But this one is already a high rye mash bill. Uh, when it came out on the market, it was one of the highest rye mash bills on the market. Uh, it's about eight years old. Um, it's going to be a little bit different from a lot of other bourbons. Okay, um, A lot of bourbons are a little bit sweet. This one is going to be very dry, very spicy on the back end. 
Um, it goes great and neat, but it also is great with one ice cube too, which I know may be sacrilege in this group. But Now, in, in the world of, of whiskey, we know that um, small batch desert isn't really, it's an industry used term, but there's no legal definition as to what small batch really no, means. Uh, we've been, some of the big boys have come through and they'll tell you when they're being honest that uh, small batch is anything that's not a big batch, which means you could be, you know, some of those big boys in Kentucky, they can, they can barrel a thousand barrels in a day. Mm -hmm. um, how many barrels are going into uh, the small batch for you guys? Okay, so Barton 1792 Distillery is what I like to say on the small side of big, okay? Uh, we're producing enough juice, I said juice as distillate, um, to fill about 920 barrels a day. So we're, we're not a craft distiller. We're, we're slinging some, some whiskey out there. But if you look at it, it's just in, within Bardstown, which is the bourbon capital of the world. 95% of the world's bourbon is made in Kentucky. About 80% of that is made within a 45 mile radius of our distillery, okay? So if you look at our neighbors, um, Heaven Hill's got over a million barrels. Jim Beam's got over 2 million barrels. We're sitting on about 600,000 barrels. So our regular batch is about 1,000 barrels. So that's like VOB or Burial Barton, Kentucky Tavern. So about 1,000 barrels. Our small batch is about 80 to 120 barrels. Oh, wow. Um, now, when you look at our big batch, those 1,000 barrel batches, we are not going to taste every single barrel that goes into that batch. As much as I would love that job to taste the 1,000 barrels, it's not going to happen. But we do taste every single barrel that goes into 1792 um, in our small batch. What we're going to do is first make sure that it hits the quality standards. We're also going to put it in different flavor categories so that we can blend those barrels from those flavor categories back into so that we match the spec that we set in the early 2000s for that brand. All right, so let's let's taste this whiskey together here. This is the small batch. Stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth, and tell me what you're experiencing. And it could be a texture, it could be a temperature, it could be a food word, it could be a sense memory of a place that you visited. There's no wrong answers. Remember that tasting is always subjective. It's based on your personal experience and your memories, all right? So you've been accumulating your own ability to describe smell and taste since the day you were born. But get that whiskey in your nose there, lady. What are you guys getting as you smell that whiskey? Sweet? Vanilla. Vanilla? Okay, so when you say sweet, think about there's a big variance as to what sweet can mean. It can vary from like powdered sugar, through brown sugar, all the way down to molasses. So try to get a little more specific in there. Molasses? Molasses? Okay, so a dark sugar, even burnt. There's a sulfur quality to molasses. There's, you know, there's um, a phenolic quality to that sweetness for sure. What else are you guys getting? Chocolate. Chocolate. I love that. Josh, what do you get when you smell this whiskey? Like like you said, there's no nothing wrong. So and plus I've heard all these flavors, so like it's already set in my head. <laughs> um, to me, it's a little bit drier. I do get hints of, of vanilla and, and caramel in it, but it, I go back and deep into the rye. You know, I already start to smell black pepper. For me, the rye almost even has a sourness to it. Like yeah. I get a little bit of like almost like a on the back of my nose, like a, a, a sourness, a tiny. Yeah, yeah like exactly. A little bit of that pickle tickle, right? So now tap it over your tongue. Evan, tell me what you're experiencing. Tap it over your tongue, man. Smell-wise, like vanilla raisin bread pudding. Yeah. Mm. So good. Mm. Smells really good. We have a lot of people said they get banana. Oh, that's, yeah, creme brulee with some bananas and raisin. That's delicious. Well, like Cody pointed out earlier today, he said banana bread. Mmm, that is delicious. I get a coffee note, too. It's got, after that sweetness, it's, it's got a nice earthy finish. It dries up and you get that like that kind of terroir, the sense of earth. 
Right on. What else are you guys getting off of this uh, the small batch? Anybody else? Food words to share? Or what does it remind you of? So, cayenne pepper. Wow. So that's there you go. that high rye really cutting yep. through there for sure. But that chocolatey, I had to get that chocolate on the finish, a nice earthiness, really beautiful. So if I was going to buy this from my home bar, the small batch, what is the bottle price on that in my local liquor store? Cody might know. I don't know. Do you know what this is? It fluctuates, you know, anywhere from about twenty six ninety nine up to twenty nine ninety nine. So under $30. Yeah, under $30. Wow, and it's a really beautiful bottle. What is seventeen ninety two in, in, in the position of, like, you guys are right there in Kentucky. You're going up against some of the best the best bourbons in the yeah. world. How do you guys think, you think that the rise kind of what sets you apart or what in your mind, what, how does 1792 like, what's its DNA? What sets it apart? Sure, so who here has been to a distillery tour? A few people, a few people, yeah. Okay, uh, who all has been to a bourbon distillery tour? Um, okay. So interesting thing, whether you look at Scotch, Irish, Canadian, bourbon, Look at just whiskey in general. If you look at all of these distilleries, we're all using the same five basic steps to make a very similar product. Now, if you narrow that down into bourbon, you're gonna even get more similar steps. But how you control each of those steps controls your brand. So it's you know the grains that we receive, how you cook it, how you distill it, how you age it, what proof you bottle it at, all those kind of things go into it. So one of the things that we do, uh, first of all, our, our, rye our high rye mash bill sets us apart. Second of all, in our cooking process, we cook our rye with our corn for the same amount of time. Most bourbon distilleries put their corn in, cook it, then lower the temperature, add the rye in, cook it, then lower the temperature and add the barley in. We put the rye and the corn in together with Kentucky spring water and cook it for the same amount of time because we feel we can extract more flavor from that rye and that mash bill. Now, like all distilleries, we'll, we'll lower it down and then add the barley in. The reason we add the barley at a lower temperature is so we don't damage the enzymes from the malting process. So that's, that's one of the things that sets us apart. Now, uh, do you have a specific like yeast or do you have a proprietary yeast that you use? We have a proprietary yeast that we, um, we have stored for us in Belgium and they ship it over to us dry before each season. Oh wow, so you're using a dry yeast, not a liquid yeast. Correct. Amazing. And are you using different yeast strains for the different uh, flavor profiles? Like is the VOB different yeast than the We're We're consistent on our yeast. We only use one yeast strain, okay. um, but we do have multiple mash bills within the distillery. Okay. Uh, so we have a straight corn, we have a straight rye. Um, we also, and I think we have four different bourbon mash bills. Uh, one's wheat, one's the high rye, and then we have two kind of standard rye, oh, high rye, but our standard rye. And do you know, if, is that yeast strain that you're using, is it something that brings a lot of earthiness or is it something that brings more fruity quality? Do you know? It's probably going to be a, a nice mixture of both. Okay. So now we've passed around day and Evan came around and passed out. What is the second mark we're trying out here? This is the sweet wheat. The now, sweet wheat. We are totally going into left field with this one. Okay. So is anybody here familiar with our previous bottle? The 1792 Ridgemont Reserve had the burlap neck strap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the small batch that we just had was the same product. In 2015, we did a, a bottle decoration change. Just updated it some. Uh, we'd been through some changes as a company. It was time for just like a fresh coat of paint. So it was time to update. Bless, Bless you for whoever. Um, with that, we also decided we wanted to kind of expand the line. So the sweet wheat was our first expression. Now, honestly, when I heard that we were doing a weeded bourbon, I was a little concerned. 
Because as we talked about, we were known for being that big, bold, punch in the face, spicy rye, right? So how is a wheat bourbon going to fall into that category? Because if you look at a wheated bourbon versus a rye bourbon, it's similar to how the difference of wheat bread versus rye bread. Now, we're not making bread here, but, but think about it. Like a wheated bread versus a rye bread is going to be a little bit sweeter, a little bit more mild, whereas a rye bread is going to be big, bold, and spicy. So to me, for a brand that's known for being big, bold, and spicy, how's a wheated bourbon going to appeal to that? But before I finish that story, let's go ahead and taste it, if you don't mind. All right, I, I like it. Come on. Stick your nose in that glass. Very approachable. Yeah, and why is it approachable, Tony? Uh, it's not going to be uh, overwhelming. Like, right when I smell it and taste it, the full smell was, it's like banana bread, like right off the bat. Um, yeah, and then it, it kind of lingers, but then it kind of dissolves right after. Like, it's not going to be giving that hug that you usually get from this one. And so to your point, as soon as it hits your nose, you should be able to tell it's a weeded bourbon. Notice how different it is from the, the small batch? So right off the bat, you know it's a weeded bourbon. But then taste through it. Yeah, tap some over your tongue, and then share your experience. Guys, what are you tasting? No wrong answers. It smells grassy to me. Like in the way that the, the rye was really sharp, this is like soft and grassy smelling to me. It's greener. <laughs> <laughs> like almond skins. Almond skins? Like that I slight nuttiness. Yeah. What are you getting, Day? Something, something tropical. There's like a tang, like sweet but tangy. Mm. Well, maybe like pineapple and dates. Yeah. The experience I get from a lot of weed of bourbons, because I'm a, a big rye bourbon fan, obviously, because of where I work, and, <laughs> and I just like them. Um, but if you think about it, Think about the, the finish on the first one. Did anybody get any black pepper on the back end of the mm -hmm. first one? Yeah, yeah. But think about the finish on this one. With the weeded bourbon, a lot of times the, the flavor, especially if you, again, sacrilege in a whiskey group, but if you had a little bit of water or an ice cube, a weeded bourbon, a lot of times, because the flavor is so delicate, it, the, the finish peters out too quick. Um, but think about the finish on this one. Still pretty bold on the back end, right? But what's the difference? It's different than the last one, right? It's fruitier on the finish for me. I'm getting like chocolate and banana on the finish on this one, which yeah. the last one I was much more peppery on the finish. Well, for me, what I see, whereas the, the first one was like black pepper in your face, this one is more like Christmas spices, like cinnamon, clove. Now, a lot of, like I said, a lot of weeded bourbons, the, the flavor is a little bit flat. This one holds a lot of body because of the way we age it. So we have a high aging philosophy at Barton. So uh, our, we have, 28, now 27 traditional warehouses. Um, they're all seven stories tall, um, but we only age bourbon fourth floor and above. So with the sweet wheat, we age it on the seventh floor, so the very top floor, for seven years. So what that does is it drives the bourbon deeper into the wood. Our warehouses are not heated, uh, they're not cooled, uh, there's no HVAC in there. So if you think about it being seven stories up in a corrugated metal warehouse that's painted black, <laughs> Top of our warehouse can get up to 120 degrees in the middle of the summertime. Oh, yeah, so it's a solar oven. I've been on the seventh floor of a rack house in the summertime, and I came down and I had sweat all the way down through my clothes, down to my ankles. Yeah. I like, completely looked like someone dumped a bucket over my head. So with this, we, we still pick up some body. So it stays true to the brand, which I remember I told you I was a little concerned about. So it still carries some body, but it's a completely different animal than the, than the small batch. Yeah, that's really nice. I like that sweet weed a lot. So where does that land? Is it more expensive than the bourbon, or is it? Well, and this one is actually a bargain um, for, for what it is. So 
1792 has always been relatively affordable, you know, at the $30 mark or below. This one was our first expression, so we wanted to kind of test the market, so we only put it out there at $5 over the regular. Oh, wow. Now, good luck finding it, but <laughs> at the same time, it came out only $5 over the, the, the normal mark. Then when we came out with it again the next year, we didn't want to, you know, upset our, our fans, so we brought it out at the same price. All so right. we, we first released this in 2015. It's been an annual spring release every year since. All right. Okay. Well, so it's a little, it's relatively new, new. to us. Yeah. New to us. In the whiskey world, it's still very much a, a young release. Really beautiful. I like that one a lot. Uh, what's the next one that we're going to pass around here? The single barrel. Single, single barrel. barrel. The single barrel. So the single barrel. Now, in the world of whiskey, there's, I mean, everybody, most of the color and all, most of the flavor and all of the colors coming from that caramelized sugars of the white yep. oak tree. It's all about that barrel. And nowhere do you get more barrel contact to whiskey than single barrel. So this is the most barrel heavy kind or category of whiskey in the world. Where do you guys get your barrels? We get our barrels from a company called Independent Stave. Uh, they supply most of the barrels to the bourbon industry in Kentucky. Uh, they have two plants, uh, two main plants, one in Lebanon, Kentucky. One in Lebanon, Missouri. If you're ever in Kentucky and you meet somebody from Marion County, do not call that town Lebanon. You gotta strip all the vowels out of it. Call it Lebanon. Lebanon. Uh, Lebanon. Um, but the, 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 most of the oak is harvested out of the Ozarks um, and then assembled, toasted and assembled um, at either of those plants. So uh, this is your single barrel expression. Correct. Do you know what proof it goes into the barrel at? Yeah, absolutely. So. Those of you all that know the, the laws of bourbon, by, legally we cannot distill over 160 proof. So typically we distill over about 140 proof, but it can't enter the barrel over 125. So we have to add spring water back in, bring it down to 125, and enter the barrel at 125. So, right on. so all of our barrels start out at 125 proof. It's a 53-gallon barrel, uh, standard size for, for bourbon. Uh, it's American white oak. We use a 3.5-level char. Uh, your your main char levels are one through four, four being the heaviest. Uh, we're looking for what's called alligator um, on that, where it, basically the, the char on the inside looks like the skin of an alligator. And then we seal it up with a poplar bung. The reason we use poplar in the bungs is it seals up uh, on contact with liquid but won't impede any flavor onto the barrel itself. So, so this is our single barrel. Um, so these are unique barrels that would have gone into the small batch. Now remember I said that we were tasting every single barrel that goes into the, the small batch. Unique premium barrels that we, we find, we'll set them off to the side to be bottled by themselves as a single barrel. Because remember, single barrel obviously is everything in that bottle came out of one single barrel. Um, also, we bottle this at 98.6 proof. Does that number sound familiar to anybody? 98.6, not my body, Tim, baby. I run hot. Right. So, so yes, body temperature. Our, so our master distiller at the time, Ken Pierce, that came up with this brand, said out of 30 years of distilling, he always wanted to put out a brand that was at body temperature. So that's where 98.6 comes from. If you notice, most of the proofs on our, our whiskey comes in kind of weird proofs. The, uh, the small batch was 93.7. Uh, the sweet wheat was 91.2. Uh, so it's kind of our, our little quirkiness. We come in with these weird proofs except on the few that we, we have to go with the solid proof. I actually asked one of our, our lab supervisors a, a few months ago, why do we do these weird proofs? He said, I have no idea, but I wish we'd stop. 
just because cutting it down to a, a, a point, uh, to a decimal point, instead of doing a solid proof was a little bit of a headache. Oh, I, I hope that's because that's where they think the flavor tastes the best. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's tap this over your tongue, guys, and talk about how is this different from the first two whiskeys that you've had. Right, so just a, a heads up. So remember the first one we tried was a, a heavy rye bourbon. Then we got off the rye train and got into the, went down the wheat rabbit hole. Well, now we're getting back on the rye train. So this is the same mash bill as the small batch, okay? So you're getting back on the rye train. Wow. Smells really sweet to my nose, though. It's yeah. really... Kettle corn, right? Yeah. What are you guys getting back there? As you tap this over your tongue, share your experience. No wrong answers. Mm, I get like a cinnamon apple crumble kind of vibe. Like it's even got like an odiness on the finish. It's nice. Oh, I'm getting like a candied plum even. This is really, really complex. It's got a lot going on. What? It's more complex, but also more gentle. Oh, okay. I got that too when I first tried it. So it's amazing to me how, so theoretically, this is the same thing as the small batch, except it's a unique barrel, a little bit higher proof. But it's crazy how much just those two changes can change the product so much. Yeah. Now, you guys are sitting on more than half a million barrels there at the Barton Distillery. So 600,000 barrels in storage. How much are you putting out every year? Like, what, how many cases or how many, you know, liters, bar liters every year? It's, it's hard to say because we're, you know, we're, we're not putting out as much as we're putting away. We're, we're kind of stockpiling right now. Okay. Um, so it, it depends on how it ages out. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of the, the Sazerac portfolio, are you guys kind of like the, the less sold of, of like, I mean, how do you compare to like Buffalo Trace or like the Sazerac Rye or like, you know, those Weller bourbons, you know? We are one of the main plants for Sazerac. Um, so we've got distillation operations. We've got 10 facilities throughout North America. Buffalo Trace is our flagship in Frankfurt. They're probably producing more um, than we are. Uh, we are probably the next biggest. Um, then we also own a craft distillery in Virginia, A. Smith Bowman. Um, and then we uh, have a, a dist distillery in Montreal, Canada that just started redistilling again. I think it was an old Seagram's plant. And it's massive. And so. And that's where they make fireball. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> You'll start seeing some good stuff coming out of there. Promise? Uh, promise. Um, and some other facilities. So kind of where Does we are. Does it taste like cinnamon? That stuff sticks on your palate, man. It's probably going to stick to all the equipment and everything. It's like, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I tell you what, though, I, I it, tease, sti I it sticks really well on my paycheck. Oh, <laughs> oh all right. Paid for by Fireball. Yeah. No, you can't argue with success. It was like uh, three or four years ago, the number one selling whiskey in the States, right? It was Fireball. It's, right? it's, our, it's our number one brand. So you think about all these whiskeys. We talked about our blended products. Everything kind of has its place. Um, all right, so let's, um, let's try some more of your amazing juice here. This is, um, what's the next mark you guys bond. are going to pass around? Bottled Ooh, bonded. In bond. Bottled in bond. So uh, show us an empty glass. Day and Evan are coming around with the 1792 bottled in bond. So uh, does everybody know what bottled in bond means? Ooh, it means the people who bottle it are wearing handcuffs and blindfolds and they have to bring their own ball gags to work. It's really weird. That is not true. No, no, that's, that's happening exactly nowhere. Um, 
It's not bottled in bondage. I didn't say bottled in bondage. I said bottled in bonds. So can you speak to that? Bottled in bond act was put in place in 1897. Because um, whiskey back then was kind of the wild, wild west. Okay, they were putting all kinds of crazy stuff out there to have what appeared to be an aged whiskey, putting all kinds of weird stuff in there. So this was the US government's way of guaranteeing quality of whiskey. So what goes into the bottled and bond act? Somebody give me one regulation. Ooh, wow, we're swinging. All right, I got one, yeah, uh, here back there too. One season, what does that mean? It has to come out of one year, either spring or fall. Okay, all right, what's the next one? 100 proof, good job. Any others? Single distillery. Single distillery in at least four years. Wow, these guys are good. All right, anybody, anybody got the last one? You're missing it, it's in the title. It has to come out of a bonded warehouse, okay? So where does that fit in today, okay? Funny thing about bonded warehouses, legally in order to age whiskey today, it has to be a bonded warehouse. Thank you very much. So all the warehouses are bonded. Has to come from one single distillery. So that means that we did not buy this juice from somebody else. That we didn't go over to Frankfurt and get it from Buffalo Trace. Everything in here came out of Barton 1792 distillery. Okay, so one distillery, um, one season. So this is about a seven and a half year old. I don't know if it's spring or fall, but it all came out of one season. Why is that different? So if you look at our small batch, we're gonna blend from different seasons based on flavor. We're not going by age. Well, we kind of are, but that's just because we know it's aged out. With bottom and bond, it has to be out of that one season. So you're going to get a little bit of difference, and it's going to be kind of seasonal. So we usually do a spring run and a fall run. So we shut down in the summertime. Uh, most distilleries do. So we'll do a fall run, which we're just now getting into. Then we'll shut down about two weeks during the holidays and start back up and distill again another run in the spring. Bonded warehouse, they're all bonded. Out of one distillery, we've got that at least four years old. Again, this is seven and a half years old. Um, and then bottled at 100 proof, 50% alcohol. So that higher alcohol content is going to push the flavor profile forward. Often when you bring uh, a whiskey down to proof, you're watering it down. And, and we're really perceptive about that. Your nose and tongue can tell very quickly when uh, the proof starts coming down. So tap some of this, like smell this first, tap it over your tongue. And then describe what it is, because it should be more obvious, actually, than some of these lower proof. I often love to taste whiskeys that are over 100 proof because they're more obvious and easier to kind of like get at what the flavor profiles are like. Maria, what are you getting? Black cherries. Black cherries. I like it. Nice. What else? Anybody? Tap some over your tongue. Tell me what you're experiencing. Yeah, pepper comes through on the finish. The black pepper? Ooh, yeah, I get a nice fruity. I get apple and cherry in there on the nose. And, and uh, brown sugar, yeah. Ooh, that chocolate comes through yeah. strong for me. I get almost grassy notes, maybe a little hint of mint. Just a little, it's kind of crisp. Oh, it's delicious. I mean, not mint like a mint julep, although those are no, true I get, to my heart. I get but, mint and chocolate for sure. Dave, what are you getting on this one? Um, it's like, <laughs> um, blueberries high, but like the crust of it, you don't have the actual blueberries, but the goo is still on the crust. All right, I love it. Like also a little pepper on top. Oh, really? Peppered blueberry pie crust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more viscous too. It's like a little more. Oil. 
Yeah, I really like that. The, the mouthfeel for me on the bonded whiskey is really, I love it. It gives you a good grip. Really, it lingers long. Evan, what are you getting? I get like uh, brown sugar, like burnt brown sugar. Yeah. Not quite molasses. Yeah, it's just not that, quite like, caramel. Yeah. Beautiful. Maybe like really the top tasty. of a creme brulee? Yeah, just the top. Yeah. Just the top. So just, the best part. Just the top. Yeah. You're the guy at the restaurant who just scrapes the top off the creme brulee. 100%. And then give it to somebody else. I'm like, oh, yeah. Here's your custard. Right on. Beautiful. I see it. Yeah. I'm getting it. It comes in slow and just absorbs your mouth with that, that burnt sugar. Now, where does this land? Is this more expensive than the small batch? It's more expensive than the small batch in the same range as a single barrel. I really love the, the architecture in, in my mouthfeel here. It's like, it's so well-structured. It's got a beginning, middle, and end that makes sense to my tongue. You know, it lingers long. It's got those fruity notes, those caramelized sugar notes. It's yeah. really a beautiful whiskey. And a beautiful package. I would love to have this on my home bar for sure. Bottle and bond is rad. Uh, for the most part, we have not tapped in the over 50 range yet on any of our products. Uh, the foolproof, you might see creep up there in a couple of locations, but... For the most part, the uh, our SRP is is below fifty. Yeah, so we're lucky here in America. You know, they're like uh, we get some of the best spirits in the world. And they're still under fifty bucks. You go to you know Scotland, and we're we're buying Scotch here. They have to pay the export tax. That you can pay sixty dollars for a, a single malt Scotch. It's not nearly as as robust as this flavor profile is. And, and as we know that if you travel to Europe. A lot of folks, it's really hard to find a good bourbon. Like often you go into a bar in Europe and you're lucky if you can find some Jack Daniels, which is which is not even bourbon, it's Tennessee whiskey. And so it tells me that, that the European palate is not as into that spice, not as into that full-bodied, robust flavor profile. Where, where single malt scotch, Irish whiskey, Japanese whiskeys, they tend to be all about the grass. American whiskeys are all about that barrel. And something right. like this is like the most kind of rich, robust flavor profile you're going to get in that whole spectrum. So it's, it's an incredible bargain. You know? well, I think to your point about the, the barrel. So as you all know, bourbon has to go into a brand new charred white oak barrel. So that barrel cannot be used previously for any other type of spirit or product. Once we use it once for bourbon, we can't use it again for bourbon. We can use it for other whiskeys or sell them. So... We like to think that all the spirits in the world that buy all of our barrels would not be nearly as good without our barrels, uh, without the bourbon inside of them. Um, speaking to that, you know, Scotch and Irish, they'll a lot of times use those barrels until they fall apart, mm -hmm. whereas we're going to use them once. So we get the, the primary flavor out of them. Also, if you ever see bourbon getting dumped, what's going to happen is we're going to slide what's called a whiskey straw in there. Basically, allows air into the barrel as the whiskey comes rushing out. But as you see that whiskey come rushing out, it's captured in a trough because there's a ton of char just flaking off. Char, just think about, if you ever picked up like a burnt log out of, you know, say you had a, a fire pit the night before, and you put the fire out, and then you're cleaning it up the next day, and that, those, that wood just kind of falls apart in your hand, and you get that black stuff all over your hands. That comes out of the barrel and just rushing out of the barrel. So all, and you think every little morsel of that has got flavor in it. Actually, at the visitor center, we do sell it in, black, in bags so that you can smoke meat on it. Yeah. It's also a great hangover cure. Yeah, so all yeah, that. I'm not kidding. You know, I'm, I think I'm, all I'm that flavor it. came out. So it, it's naturally going to be barrel heavy because, A, we want a, a big, heavy char. Um, and then also we're getting first use out of them. Who do you sell your barrels to when, they're, when, you're, uh, when you've used them once? Well, we actually get a second use out of our barrel. Um, so we do a corn whiskey there. 
uh, that we'll use in some some blended whiskeys, American whiskeys and stuff. Um, so we'll reason for that. But our biggest contract, uh, we have a deal with our previous owners, Constellation Spirits, to age and bottle Palmasan brandy. So they will ship us out California grape brandy. We'll put it into the barrels and put it in the first three where, floors of our warehouse, age it for a couple years, and then bottle that for them. And then once we've used it a couple times for brandy, that's when we, uh, we ship them out to, most of them go through a company called Speyside, uh, which has a plant about 25 miles from us. Um, and then they, they source them to all, out, all over the world. Well, right on. So uh, what is this, this last mark here? It's not the last Ooh. one. It's not yeah. the last one. Jeez. We are so vigorous today. Wow. Uh, so what is this one, Evan? The high rye. The high rye. Okay. So everybody, shh, shh. Everyone should have the high rye. So now explain, what is what is this? How is this different from, is it a different mash bill? It is a different mash okay, bill. Okay, so what's the, what's the levels here? So remember, we're already a high rye, okay? This one, we went off the rocker on this one. There's 30% more rye in there compared to the previous mash bill. Wow. So we took that high rye mash bill and threw a bunch more rye on top of it, okay? So it is a very high rye. Um, came out with this, I think, uh, two years ago. Uh, for the first release on this. This one goes back to our funky proofs. Remember that the bottom bond had to be 100 proof. This is, I believe, is 94.3 proof. So again, back to the funky proofs. Um, so go ahead and taste through this and then we'll talk about it after. Wow, I love the spice on the nose. Yeah, so tap some over your tongue and share your experience. Now that you guys are getting loosened up, I expect you to be a little more gregarious with your sharing here, come on. Okay. Oatmeal, raisin cookies. What else, Tony? What'd you say? Cloves. Butter? Butter? Yeah, mm. it should be. But rye is a very oily grain. So a lot of times when you run a straight rye um, in distillation, it's hard to run because it's got so much of that oils that it just gums up the works. Mm. I'm getting like mint and clove and cinnamon. It does have a beautiful butteriness to the top of the palate. Really, it's really well-structured whiskey again. Yeah. Now, when this first came out, you know, I, of course, I, I speculate on all these products before they hit. I heard that we were doing a high rye that was 30% more rye than our original recipe. I thought this was going to be a total spice bomb. Like, I thought it was just going to kick you in the teeth. Um, but it, anybody notice that it's a little bit sweeter? Yeah. This rye brought, brought some sweetness with it. And so it wasn't as dry as our normal mash bill. So it added some sweetness. But then... You'll notice that finish. Uh, that finish is something else, right? Yep. It's long. Yeah, that's what I love. When, it's, when I say structure, that's what I mean. Is it holds up across the back of the palate. It really lingers long. But those buttery notes are going to come. Those are lactones that occur naturally in, in the, the white oak, you know? So they're going to draw more. And do you know, is there, there's no age statement. Do you know what the general ages of this high rye expression is? Probably around seven. Seven year old, wow. It's really beautiful. Well, so you guys getting on this high ride? So you said uh, pumpkins, pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie spices. So when we taste things like clove, clove and allspice, that's that's eugenol, eugenol, which is another, it's a lignin compound that comes out of the of the the oak itself. That's what gives you those peppery notes, cinnamon, clove, pumpkin pie spice. Right on. That is gorgeous whiskey. And where does this fit in the play, in the price structure? If I'm going to get this from my home bar, what's going to run me? It's going to be about the same as, as the, uh, the single barrel, I believe. And, and is this hard to get your hands on right now, the high rye? It'll be released in the fall. Oh, so yeah. are we some of the first, first folks in L.A. to be able to try this? For, for the time being, yeah. 
All right. Well, you got to let us know this stuff, Cody. It's like, this is L.A. Like, people really get excited about being first-timers, you know? That's really, really uh, And those of you all whiskey. that are keeping score, that's number five. <laughs> like, no, they've already lost count. Like, it's too many fingers. Like, oh, this, yeah. guy, this guy, this <laughs> guy. Right. Well, uh, whose hand is that? Yeah. Oh, my. Okay, so... <laughs> Now, what's it, what's it called? Barrel proof? Full proof. Oh, full proof. It's a play on words, right? Kind of. Full proof. But it's spelled with two O's, I think, right? Yeah. Ours is F-U-L-L. I'm full proof now. So we're, we're going back to a solid proof on this one. That's <laughs> All right. So Day and Eva are going to come around with the full proof 1792 bourbon. So... Foolproof means you guys are not adding any water to this spirit at all? We are. So, oh, okay. Um, so remember we talked about, we distill at about 140 proof. By law, you can't enter the barrel over 125 proof. We do enter at the, at the max, the legal max at 125. But we age high in our warehouse. So there's different aging philosophies, and we were talking about how different distilleries are a little bit different. Um, some distilleries age low. You don't get quite the temperature fluctuation low, if you age high, you get a high uh, temperature fluctuation. So, so Kentucky, in addition to having great water for bourbon, we're also good for aging bourbon because we have relatively hot summers and relatively cold winters. Okay. So, what's going to happen if you age hot? If you age low in your warehouse, or similar for Scotch and Irish whiskey, just because of climate, you're not going to get the temperature fluctuation. So, what's going to happen is your alcohol is going to hit vapor point, but your water is not. So. Automatically, if you think about wood, it's a porous material, so you're going to get water or alcohol evaporating through the pores of your wood. However, if you age high in a warehouse like we do, your vapor point on your water and your alcohol is going to hit vapor point at the same time. So now you've got two molecules trying to escape the wood at the same time, water and alcohol. Water is a smaller molecule than the alcohol, so the water is going to evaporate quicker. What that does, if you age high in the warehouse with a high temperature fluctuation, it causes your proof to go up. So these 1792 barrels, a lot of times, they're about 130 proof when we harvest them. Now, in my years being there, I, well, I was first hired on just to manage the visitor center. But being kind of a bourbon nerd, I was pushing our brand managers time again, let me run a, a barrel string. Let me just do a barrel string. Just give me one barrel a year. I'll run it through the gift shop and pestering them. And they kept on telling me no, no. And they're still not interested in doing a, a barrel string. But they compromised finally and did a full proof. So again, we harvest those barrels at 130 proof. With this one, we're going to put enough water in to bring it down to 125, or the full proof that it entered the barrel at. Now, this is also the only bourbon that we are trying tonight that is non-chill filtered. Okay? Is everybody here familiar with chill filtering? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Okay. So this is you know, Is there anyone that says no? Yeah. Okay. No. Okay. So, less than chill filtering. I know we're in California. Does anybody here know what country style green beans are? Country style green. She knows. Uh, yeah. With like the colors and the fat and all that. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. Okay. Those of you all that are not familiar with country style green beans, think about a thick stew. Everybody knows what stew is, right? Yeah. All right. So in back in the South, where I came from, yeah, Kentucky's about as north south as you can get. But country style green beans, we start with some sort of a pork product, like bacon or, or a ham hock, onions, butter put green beans on top of it, put stock on top of that, and just boil the crap out of it. You will never hear a southerner say, I think you overcooked the green beans. <laughs> okay? So if you think about that or a thick stew, 
think about what goes in there. So as that, if it's a, you know, a cheaper cut of meat that's a fatty piece of meat or that ham hock and the green beans, as you're starting to stew that down, all that fat starts to dissolve and gets right in there and creates this nice velvety mouthfeel, this very rich flavor. Now, think about that thick stew or the country style green beans. You put them in the fridge overnight, what happens? It congeals. That weird fat, fat right at the top? Okay, I promise you I'm coming back to bourbon. Just hang on, I'm getting there. Okay. You're making everybody hungry now. I know. You serve food, right? <laughs> I've got potato chips. <laughs> so, bourbon, think about it, it's made up of grains and water and yeast um, and a little bit of patience. So, if you think about what goes in there, there are naturally oils in those grains. Even though we're going to distill a lot of that stuff out, there's still oils left in there. Now, say we take a bourbon, we take it, we water it down to about 90 proof, you know, kind of the standard run. Then we take that and we sell it to somebody in Minnesota, and they build a floor stack right in front of their front door in the middle of winter. What's going to happen if we do not chill filter that? It's going to congeal, just like our stew. So it's going to turn cloudy, might get a, what we call flocking, which are just solid flakes of fat in there. Now, if you ever get a bourbon and that happens to your bourbon, don't worry. Just let it warm up a little bit and shake it up. It'll dissipate. But we don't want the general consumer, who are not enthusiasts like all of us, right, going to the retailer or calling us saying, hey, there's something wrong with my bourbon. It's cloudy. It's flaky. What is floating in my bourbon? Okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to force that to happen. We're going to take that bourbon. We're going to chill it down around freezing. It causes all those oils to come into a solid form, and then we can plate filter that out. Now, going back to our stew or country-style green beans, think about that we put it in the fridge overnight. If you ever go in, you scrape that fat off the top of those green beans or that stew and heat it back up, does it taste the same? No, it's not as good. So your bourbon purists would rather have it non-chill filtered because we are still filtering solids out of there, but we're not forcing it down to freezing. So when you have a bourbon that's 100 proof plus, you, have, you don't have to worry about it as much coming out of solution. So we can put it out there non-chill filtered. So the foolproof goes back to our original recipe. So it's our, our, our flagship mash bill, bottled at 125 proof, non-chill filtered. This is also voted by Whiskey Magazine this year as the world's best bourbon. So, so what's everybody getting out of the foolproof? Yeah, what do you guys get off of the foolproof? Numb lips. Numb lips. Numb lips. <laughs> Ooh, I get like a fig note on the nose. It smells like figs. And like honeysuckle. It's a little floral too. I get like fig and honeysuckle. What are you guys getting back there? Anybody? Anybody? Cherry. Okay, good, good. I'm getting glazed donut over here. Glazed donut, dried cherry. Oh, yeah, no, it tastes like the... Yeah, I'm getting... The cronut, yeah. Oh, they want creme brulee donuts. Ooh, from Astro. Right around the corner on 6th Street. There's a little plug for Astro. Let's go. Uh, fried chicken sandwiches. Oh, my. Wow, some amazing bourbons tonight. So what do you guys think of the 1792? Did we enlighten you somewhat to uh, the straight line? Yeah, it's like perhaps a lesser known brand, but you guys really are throwing down some serious whiskey. This is some beautiful bourbons. Thank you so much for sharing this tonight. Thank you all very much for having me out. It was, it was great to visit. Um, 
If you're ever in Kentucky, don't forget about us. We're in Barstown. We have free tours six days a week. Come down and see how it's made. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget. Drink to remember. Remember.